what makes America the greatest country in the world. Soldiers, sailors, Marines, airmen. Stood up for what was right. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. It's time to start a trip. Dream isn't something we talk about. All we can ever do for our heroes is remember them. And they gave up two lives. The one they were living in and the one they would have lived. They gave up everything for our country, for us. Let's pray for freedom and justice. Only be a war if soldiers are willing to fight. Less than 1% of Americans serving in uniform. Some veterans not getting the timely care that they need. The good news is, is that in recent years, we've made historic investments to boost the VA budget. What is it? Why should we care? We should care about press freedom because... Because we were informed. In democratic societies, free, diverse, and pluralist media enable public debates and are essential checks you don't on look power. Status. Let's discuss. Hey guys, uh, it's always me, Costa and Thomas Mendel from DAD. Uh, welcome to the Vet to Vet podcast, episode 11 actually. If it's your first time listening, then thanks for coming. And uh, today uh, we would like to cover some questions that DAD and other veterans organizations get to face on a daily basis. Uh, some are questions that you ask us and some questions that we would like to ask uh, DAD other service, uh, veteran service officers. So, Thomas, thanks again. Thank you. Do you mind if I call you Tom? Tom's fine. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So, let's get started. Um, hey, Tom, if, uh, how do you see the claim process and the best way uh, a veteran would have better awards uh, to file it? Okay. Well, basically, right now, the VA has two ways of doing VA has what's called their traditional claim, mm-hmm. which basically means that a veteran comes in, files their claim, mm-hmm. either in person or on new benefits. Mm-hmm. And basically, at that point, they don't have all of their information, so the VA may have to go out mm-hmm. to um, a private provider and get that information or things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So that's the traditional claim process, and that process takes a little longer mm-hmm. than the other process. The other process is called their fully developed claims process. Mm-hmm. Now the fully developed claims process basically means you're giving the VA everything up front. You're giving them any outside treatment records, you're giving them um, any statements that they may need. Mm-hmm. All they need to do is go and gather your federal records, your service treatment records, they're going to do the VA examinations, mm-hmm. they're going to obtain your records from the VA medical center. So when you do that, that's called a fully developed claim. Mm-hmm. Now, errors that many veterans make is they file a fully developed claim and then they submit additional evidence afterwards. Mm-hmm. As soon as a veteran submits additional evidence afterwards, it then knocks it out of the fully developed claims process and turns it into a traditional claim. So that's one of the errors that a lot of our veterans are doing right now as far as the fully developed claim. So I guess the first step, when I come to your office, I have to bring all my medical records and whatever I have or whatever I might think would be helpful for my claim, right? Well, many veterans don't have an actual copy of their service treatment records. Now, their service treatment records are stored at the National Archive in St. Louis. Now, if a veteran does have their service treatment records, then we would ask if they bring those records with them so we can review those. We also want a copy of their DD-214. Mm-hmm. We also want a copy of any 
outside treatment records if they have those records. If they don't have those records, then we want the address of that provider so we can do the proper release form. Other things that we'd be looking for is if they're married and have children, we would be looking for their all that documentation, such as their spouse's social security number, their children's social security numbers, their um, the marriage license, the birth certificates, things of that nature, so that we can actually file the proper forms the first time around. But basically what happens with the VA is if you get rated at 30% or higher, then you get an additional allowance for your dependents. Mm -hmm. So that's why we like to go ahead and do that up front. But those are some of the main things that we want veterans to bring with them. Now, once we sit down with them and have a conversation, we may determine there's other things that they mm -hmm. may need. We may want them to go and get a medical opinion. Mm -hmm. We may want them to do a specific statement. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people aren't always um, comfortable doing that statement right there in the office. So I may give them that statement and ask them to go home and do it in the convenience of their own yeah. home and then get that back to me. So those are some of the things that we want them to bring up front before we ever meet with them. So I guess the first meeting at DAV office would be sort of would be a, just an introduction, like, hi, my name is Costa, and you would say, hi, my name is Tom, I'm the DSO, and here what you need to have, or you would, it's better if you have, right? And the second one would be more specific. Sometimes it goes that way. You know, it, it all depends on the veteran. You know, there are veterans that do their homework and they come in the first time with everything we need. So when they do that, we go right ahead and we file that claim right then and there. Now, if a veteran comes in my office and they may not have everything that they need, then that's where I'm going to educate them. I'm going to explain to them what evidence they need for the type of claim that they're filing for, what types of statements they may need. I'm going to ask them questions about what happened to them in the service, what happened to them after service. You know, so I have a history of what happened. And then for every you know, claim, we have to file what's called a power of attorney form. Yep. That, that form basically gives the DAV authorization to represent their claim. Mm -hmm. Once I file that form, then I'll be able to go into the VA system and look at their claim and see what have they already done. A lot of veterans may have already filed a claim in the past and they were denied, or maybe that they're just coming in to ask for an increased valuation. So those are things that we like to look at so we can make a determination as to how we're going to go forward with that claim. Mm -hmm. Now, if a veteran walks into my office and they weren't one of those veterans that had all their information, I could file, like <laughs> I could file a thing that's called an intent to file. An intent to file basically that I'm filing a claim today, tell the VA, I plan on filing, filing a formal claim in the future, and it would protect today as the effective date. And it then gives that veteran one year to actually file the formal claim. So what, what does it give a veteran as a benefit to protect the date? Well, to protect the effective date is what helps get them more retroactive month. Okay, because if a veteran comes in today and files the informal claim, and we file the formal claim 11 months from now, it's going to go back to today before the effective date, which would then give them that 11 months of retroactive day. It's a great tool. Most definitely. A lot of people, a lot of veterans don't know about the intent to file, so that's where we come in to make sure we educate them. 
love that. So guys, first of all, too much information for me, but for you, do your homework. And if you're sometimes lazy, just bring a big notepad and a pen before you go to DAV or any other VSO office because better you prepare, better odds you have in the future. You can always file as ID with the whole medical record, but if you know what you're actually doing and when you know what you're actually looking for and this VSO uh, help, this DAV help, you will have much better odds if you prepare correctly instead of just firing and hoping for the best. Yeah, that's very good because basically what we do is we like to look at their service treatment records. You know, that's one of the first things that we want to see is what were they treated for while on active duty. Because when we see what someone was treated for on active duty, then we can talk to them about what they're being treated for today. And if we can see that they're still experiencing the same issues today that they were experiencing while on active duty, then we can help them associate those two things. Now, another thing that we do is when we're reviewing those records, many times we see things in a service treatment records that a veteran should be applying for, but they're not even thinking about that. You know, basically they forgot all about that injury or they forgot all about getting treatment for that specific thing in service. So when we sit down with them, it's more about educating them as far as the whole picture. We want to see what you were treated for in service. We want to know what you're treated for now. And we want to try and relate one to the other. Because when you try to file a claim with the VA, that's what you need. You need three things. You need one, a treatment or diagnosis of a condition in service. Two, treatment or diagnosis of a condition today. And three, a link between the condition today and what happened in service. If you can have those three things, you're pretty much going to be successful. Most likely. <laughs> and uh, let's say um, let's say I'm a veteran and I got an American Legion office most probably for me. So I uh, went and see VSO from American Legion a couple of times, and then I moved somewhere else and I don't have American Legion um, in my area, and I got the DAV office. How do you work with in between? Well, basically, when you're talking about separate service organizations... Yeah, you know, for the same claim. For the same claim. Basically, we actually don't work together with the other yeah. organization. Mm -hmm. What happens is, anything that that organization has submitted to the VA, mm -hmm. once we take over the file of attorney, mm -hmm. then we will automatically see everything that they've done with the VA. Okay. okay. So once our file of attorney goes into the system, we're going to have access to everything that they've submitted to the mm -hmm. VA. So as long as everything was submitted, then we'll be able to see all of that information. And now, uh, it could be the case that new VSO would call an old VSO on the phone and ask them what kind of steps he did, or is it practice or not? It's actually not a common practice, you know, because what you look at is, you know, every organization, you know, does things a little bit differently. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I couldn't say that what they did, you know, was what the way I would have done that claim. So I'm going to look at the claim from the perspective of what would I do if this person was just coming into my office? Okay. How would I go about that claim? What evidence am I going to look at and how would I go forward? Okay. Okay. And uh, so what are some basic conditions you see people uh, fighting for on average? Well, I mean, one of the most common 
things that we see is PTSD, is one of our most common ones. Uh, muscular skeletal conditions such as knee conditions, back conditions, mm -hmm. those are some of our more popular claims. And one that a lot of veterans, once they know about it, file for it almost immediately because they just didn't know they could, mm -hmm. is tinnitus, which is ringing in the ears. Mm -hmm. um, many veterans suffer from it, but they just assumed it was something that they were dealing with. Yeah. So they didn't even know it was something they could file for. So those are things that we will see on all the time. Now, depending on the error of the veteran, mm -hmm. a lot of Vietnam veterans you know, were dealing with presumptive issues related to exposure to Agent Orange. Mm -hmm. you know, so we may be dealing with diabetes, complications of diabetes, uh, prostate cancer, Parkinson's disease. These are just some conditions that the VA has come out and said, a Vietnam veteran gets any of these conditions in their lifetime, mm -hmm. we're going to presume it's related to their exposure to Agent Orange. So there's a regulation 3.309 in the 38 CFR mm -hmm. that basically says any of these conditions, so there's a list of conditions, and you have the Parkinson's, the diabetes, um, the ischemic heart disease, then the majority of the elements are cancers, prostate cancer, lung cancer, and a lot of different skin cancers and things. So, we see those with our Vietnam veterans all the time. And one of the other you know, claims that a lot of veterans don't always know about, but we deal with it a lot, is a thing called individual unemployability. Mm -hmm. What that is is where you have a veteran that has one single disability rated at 60% or has combined disabilities at 70 with one of them being at least 40%. Mm -hmm. And if those conditions are preventing that person from working, then the VA will grant them 100%, even though they're only at 70%. So we deal on that, we deal with that claim a lot. I would like to suggest to you guys, you got an episode on that, and it can be sketchy. Just look at the episode before you do that. <laughs> uh, so what kind of common errors uh, do you see veterans do when they file a claim? You covered a couple of them. Well, a couple of errors that you know, veterans do is they just submit their claim and they assume that VA is going to look at their records and say, all right, it's all good. There you go. But that's where we come in because we want to educate you know, our clients. We want you to understand what evidence you need in order to win that claim or be fairly successful in that claim. And that's something that, you know, Maybe the treatment that you had wasn't in your service medical records. Yeah. You know, so there's certain avenues that we have to go to rectify that. Or maybe we need a specific doctor to help us with a medical opinion. So we're going to talk to the veteran about getting that medical opinion. Yes, do you send it to specific doctors or to anybody who is uh, like professional in that specific field? Well, sometimes we're talking about you know if they have a primary care doctor, yeah. a lot of times we send them to their primary care doctor yeah. and see if their doctor would do that. You know, if they're seeing a specialist and we'll ask them to go to that specialist and see if that specialist would be willing to give that opinion. Mm -hmm. Then there's other ways we go about the opinions you know, through, through the VA system mm -hmm. as well. But um, one of those things is we just want to make sure that they understand what they need for their client. Um, yeah, so I would say as an advice, uh, go see VSO first before 
file anything yourself, even though the key benefits are getting better and better, it's still uh, confusing. Even for me, like I can read uh, some uh, complex uh, like legislation, but it takes me a lot of time to understand it. And if I read something myself, even from CFR, uh, CFI is easy, but something else like an instruction, it seems uh, very easy for me to understand, but I don't know actually how it works. And that's where I actually, uh, uh, I can't break the wall. So I need somebody to explain me how, how to deal with that. So even though the text can be uh, written in clear English, even though I can like read in different languages, it's still confusing how to apply it. And that's when you need it. So it's great that you have DAD and their condition you might have somebody else not far away from you. Just go see them and ask them for an opinion. If, uh, if it's something that you expect to hear, then good for you. If not, you can always ask somebody else. And if it's still you're not know, getting a good answer or the answer that you don't like, maybe it's the way it is. So guys, go see VSO and ask him. Just tell them the same way you tell your story to the priest. Just tell them what happened to you. What do you have in your hand and what you should do because those guys are here for you and they're always willing to help you well, that's some very good advice because one of the things that we look at is just those things a lot of veterans will read the law and think that they understand the law exactly. but they really don't know how to apply the law to their specific case they may spit look at one specific piece of the law and think that fits in mm -hmm. there but it actually doesn't fit when you read the whole content of the law so it's very important for a veteran to talk to somebody that has some experience and knows how to interpret these laws, and specifically in their case. Because a lot of times a veteran may have been denied in the past, mm -hmm. and we need to know that they've been denied in the past mm -hmm. because there's specific regulations that come into play mm -hmm. in order to reopen that claim. Mm -hmm. There's a thing called new and material evidence. It's yeah. evidence that the VA, you know, has never seen before that the content of that evidence would win the claim in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Many times that's a medical opinion. So mm -hmm. maybe a veteran was denied, you know, a specific condition because nobody ever gave the opinion that it was related to service. Mm -hmm. You can submit evidence all day that says this condition's gotten worse mm -hmm. and this is what's going on, but until somebody gives the opinion linking it to service, it's not considered material evidence, it's only considered new. And so there's certain regulations that come into play. So we like to be able to look at those things and educate our client. And a lot of times, if we get that opinion, that can change the whole case. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that you look at when you're, veterans come into our offices and they may be coming in for one specific thing. A friend of theirs said, OCPAB about that one specific thing. I may not be able to help him with that one specific thing because his case doesn't constitute him getting that one specific thing. But as I'm talking to him, there may be five other things yeah, exactly. that I can do for him. Yeah. You know, so that's where you know they have to understand that you know, that's why we want to look at their records because veterans come into us and they tell us their story and they tell us about certain things. But once we dig into their record, we see you know, there's a lot of other things that we should be doing here besides just what that person came to see us about. So that's why it's important to see somebody and not just do it on e-benefits. Because 
when you go out and eat benefits, you're going to do specifically what somebody told you to do or what you think is right. Whereas talking to us, we're basically going to review everything and give you our best advice as to how to move forward. Um, myself, uh, I actually like eBenefits. It's getting better and better. But as Tom just said, it's impersonal. It's a machine. It's uh, got its uh, procedures that it's got to follow. You just click, click, click. And uh, most likely, you won't be able to, like eBenefits, it's not going to dig through your uh, army records, your medical records. It's not going to tell you, like, what kind of uh, things you should file for or what kind of things you should pay attention to. It's just going to assume that you know everything about the claim and that you got to submit everything you got and just get to the like last stage and click submit. It's amazing, uh, amazing tool. It's getting better and better. But I would say before you submit and go and click, click, click on the benefit, just go see the VSO. I think that's good advice because eBenefits is one of those systems that, as you said, it's improving. And you know, I like certain things about eBenefits. You know, but as far as somebody actually filing their first claim or if they're reopening a claim, I really would want them to just go on to eBenefits and submit their claim without talking to somebody. You know, I think you being able to talk to a veteran service organization or a national service officer with the DAB is very we're going to be able to look at things that, you know, e-benefits is just going to tell you about how to file a claim. It's really not going to tell you about what evidence you need to specifically, you know, file that claim or evidence in support of that claim. They're going to tell you they need additional evidence, but they're just not going to get into specifics about what type of evidence they're looking for. You know, also, you know, e-benefits isn't always 100% accurate. You know, a lot of veterans call me and say, you know, it tells me my claim is going to be ready in November of 2017 when the system right now, you know, average days are roughly 110, 120 days. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they get upset when they see that in e-benefits. So it's one of those things that don't always trust everything on e-benefits, but it's a very good system, especially when you're looking at, you know, tracking your claim. You can see some of the things that are going on with your claim, but you can also use it to get certain letters that you may need from the VA. Exactly. You know, so, That's what I like. so, so as far as the letters, I see a lot of people you know, using it for that purpose. Mm -hmm. But as far as filing the actual claim, you know, talk to a, a VSO before you do that. Yeah, I, I, would, I would give the same advice. And uh, not because it can be done on e-benefits, but it got to be some sophisticated IQ that will beat through your record and tell you what to do. Otherwise, um, even from there, like if I put myself in their shoes, it's too difficult to uh, make a system that would one that would be a one fit all because it's it's difficult even with the law or with uh, some changes. And how would you expect uh, an like electronic filing system to know everything that you have to put into evidence? It's just there to file, but it's not there to like explain you. Uh, what kind of evidence, what kind of stories they're looking for, what kind of papers you got to submit. It's just going to be a, a plain, uh, plain explanation of what you have as a document, what kind of documents you have to put into the system. But it's not going to tell you where to look for, where to look for those documents, what kind of uh, information you should put into those documents. Or sometimes it wouldn't tell you actually uh, 
way to find them. As uh, Tom just said, additional evidence can be anything. Just an additional evidence is just a, an additional, just even if you look at the words, additional to something. Well, what kind of additional stuff can be to my computer? It can be case, it can be mouse, it can be anything. It's additional. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And that's something that we see all the time is a lot of our veterans will go on to e-benefits, they will file their claims by themselves, and um, they may win a few things, but then a lot of other things get denied, and then they come to us afterwards to appeal that claim. And a lot of times, once we look at it, we can easily see, well, we just need this one piece of evidence. If we had that, that would be a, a fairly easy win for that one specific thing. So there's one of those things that it's important to understand the evidence you need. You know, I'm not afraid to tell my veteran, when you walk into my office, you may leave with some homework mm -hmm. because it's your claim. I need you to help me to develop the evidence that we need. Mm -hmm. You know, I know where to get certain evidence, but some of it, it may be at your private doctor. Yeah. It may be a statement from a friend of yours. It could be a statement from a family member. You know, there's many different things that we may need to have the specific evidence we need. So that's why it's important to talk to someone. Yeah, exactly. I'm on the same page. Um, so in any way, guys, uh, if you file in e-benefits, if you want, if you file through VSO, uh, it's going to be a long process and you got to be patient. Uh, it's not only because of the backlog in VA, it's just because sometimes it takes time to review all the evidence that you have. So I, I wouldn't put it on the shoulders of VA or the system itself just because uh, it uh, should be done, you, you would say, like in five, six, seven days. It could be done in five, seven days if you, if you would have to pay for that. Since it's free and it's uh, like a big, big, huge organization, you've got to go through all the steps. So be ready and be patient. And uh, Another, uh, I would say, caveat, if you don't file everything at one point, as Tom mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, your fully developed claim may uh, become like a regular claim in a second because you additionally filed for something else. And that's another reason why you probably should come on CVSO. Let's say if you don't want to file for ringing in your ears, that's fine. But just in case if you file for everything else and then you would like to uh, add additional condition, your fully developed claim suddenly became, as I said, like very well a traditional claim. Traditional yes. claim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, what what can a veteran expect when going to PDC or MSLA exams? That's what we have here in California, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. And QTC is in a lot of other states as well. But when you deal with QTC or you're dealing with MSLA, you know, one thing that's going to happen first is the VA actually going to request the exam through one of those two entities. Mm -hmm. Now, what a lot of veterans don't understand is they may go to a QTC exam or MSLA and they only they may only examine specific things. Mm -hmm. They can only examine what the VA regional office tells them to examine. So if you put in a claim for five conditions but the regional office thinks that they only want exams on three of them, then that's all they're going to request. So a lot of veterans go into their QTC exam and say, well, I'm here to get examined on everything, and they may not happen that way. Yeah, uh, 
as an example, as Tom just said, let's say I'm filing for toenail fungus, I'm filing for depression, I'm filing for PTSD, for uh, migraines, and for arthritis. And uh, I got a paperwork saying that I am scheduled for my PTSD and depression. Uh, so when you go to that, to that appointment, if you that's what you have on the paperwork, you don't have to show them toenail fungus, right? Correct. Yeah, because that doctor is not going to look at any of the other conditions. That doctor is specifically there to look at the condition VA asked that specific doctor to look at. Now, you may go to you know, multiple QTC or MSA exams based on your claim, because you may go to one doctor for your mental health, one for your hearing, one for your muscular skeletal condition, so you may go to multiple examinations. Now, the biggest thing for veterans to remember when they go to these examinations is to leave the pride at the door, okay? And that's hard for all of us veterans because, you know, the military taught us to be, you know, strong men and women, you know, so when you go to these examinations, you know, they're looking to see what's going on with you, how severe are your conditions. But what a lot of people, you know, do is they may come into my office and really, you know, tell me everything that's going on, but when they go into that exam, they only tell the doctor half of what's happening. Mm -hmm. So when they do that, the person that's rating the claim is relying on what the doctor and what the veteran is saying. So if they only told them half of what's happening, that's going to affect the overall rating that's going to come out. One of the ideas, what you can do guys, um, if you're not comfortable with doing it on the camera or in front of your wife, uh, you can write down a short story and narrative that you would like to tell a doctor. That can help you. Because myself, sometimes uh, I would have something in my mind, I have an idea, or I have a, I would have, I know what I want to say or I would like to do, but suddenly when I appear in front of somebody else, or especially when, um, when there is more than somebody else, I mean like five, ten people, I would get all red and confused. Right. So you might have to do some homework and uh, prepare yourself. One of the things when you're dealing with your QTC or your MSLA examinations, I like to talk to my mm -hmm. veterans before they go to their exams. Mm -hmm. One, I want them to know what to expect at an exam. Mm -hmm. I want them to understand, you know, if it's a muscular skeletal examination, what the doctor should and shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. When it's a mental health examination, they got to realize that they're going to be talking to a doctor they've never spoken to before, right. and they got to be willing to open up to somebody that they're meeting for the first time. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking PTSD and you know military sexual trauma cases, mm -hmm. it's very hard for someone to open up to someone they're meeting for the first time. So when I'm doing the claim with my veterans, I want them to understand up front that this is something you're going to be dealing mm -hmm. with. You have to prepare yourself. For that. So I'd like to talk to them before they go into the exam so they have an understanding of the examination. How is the process, the claim process going right now? Like what do you see? Right now, as far as the claims process, the actual claims process itself is going pretty good nationwide. Mm -hmm. the, one of the things that the VA just rolled out is what's called their National Work Queue. What the National Work Queue is, is basically Every morning, they're going to look at Los Angeles, for example. Mm -hmm. They're going to
to look at Los Angeles and see how many employees are working today. Mm -hmm. How many claims do they have? Mm -hmm. Then they're going to turn around and say, based on the number of employees and number of claims, they can handle this much work. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we're going to turn around and send this much work to a different station that can handle more work. So that's a new thing that the VA's recently mm -hmm. come out with is a national work queue. So right now, LA joined the national work queue about three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing claims that are being done all over the country from Los Angeles. And then on the turn side, we actually get some from other places as mm -hmm. well. But it's definitely helping to um, speed up the claims process mm -hmm. because Maybe we don't have as many people doing the development part, mm -hmm. but we have more people on staff today to do the rating part. Mm -hmm. So we may send some of our development somewhere else, mm -hmm. and someone else is going to send some of their ratings mm -hmm. products to us. So we're actually going to do their ratings, and they're going to do our development. So it's a way to actually get the whole system incorporated and be able to work claim no matter where you are in the United States. And that's the good thing about the DAB is we actually have national service officers in every regional office across the country. So it doesn't matter that my claim in Los Angeles is being done in St. Louis because my people in St. Louis will be able to review that claim and in order to release it to the VA for them to um, put it out to the veteran. So that's one of the advantages of the DAB and us having people in every regional office across the country. Um, I just had a crazy idea in my, in my head. Would you see one day happening um, that the division, the FW, many other, like maybe a state uh, country uh, service officers would be able to uh, actually develop, not develop, maybe, maybe develop, develop a claim and put it into the VA system and all they would have to do just to clear approve or disapprove? Not that simple, but we, <laughs> we are doing a thing already that's basically called the Stakeholders Enterprise Portal. So the veteran walks into my office mm -hmm. today and they have all their information mm -hmm. and I already represent them. Mm -hmm. I can actually go right into the Stakeholders Enterprise Portal, do the entire claim in that portal, hit submit, and it actually goes directly to the VA system. And like that. Okay, all right. It's just for DAV. No, it's, it's not other organizations have that capability. Not everybody's using that mm -hmm. that right now, but that's something that all the organizations have access to. Now, you know, the best example I can give you on that one is let's take for instance a dependent claim, mm -hmm. meaning that a veteran just got married. Yeah, a veteran just got married and they want to add their spouse to their claim. Now, on average across the country. That claim has taken almost a year if I submit it by paper. But if I go into the stakeholders enterprise portal, the fastest one I've done so far is 15 minutes. The claim was done and the money was going out to the veteran. Oh my God, that's amazing. It's amazing. So that's a message to a lot of veteran service organizations use. Yeah, the stakeholders enterprise portal. It's definitely a very good tool. Is it developed by DOD, VA, or what? It's actually developed by VA. VA, yeah, VA came out with the system, and you know, it's been 
out uh, roughly about two years now for all the service organizations to use. Now, one of the newer things that service organizations are looking at, especially DMV, mm -hmm. we're looking at a thing called data to data. Okay, data to data basically means DAV, we have our own case management system. Mm -hmm. In my case management system, I go right into the, our system, file the claim, click the button, and it goes right to the VA system. Mm -hmm. You know, It's about the same as the stakeholders enterprise portal, except I'm actually doing it through the DAV system versus doing it through the VA system. So both ways. These are things, new ways of being, us being able to help our clients. Myself, I wish everybody could use the same system easier to do this. I understand that there are different phones like Apple, Android, we got to compete for profit, but when we are not competing for profit in especially in government organizations or even non-government organizations, I wish we would have the same system. Mm -hmm. I wish. Well, as far as the VA system, it is one system. Mm -hmm. you know, so we, we all have access to that mm -hmm. system. But as far as the different service organizations, yes, a lot of them have their own system mm -hmm. or different systems. And the hard thing, one thing that veterans don't always understand is when you talk about the power of attorney for VA purposes, you're only allowed to have one veteran service organization at the same, at the same time. time. So what can't happen is I can't have access to the record and then someone from the American Legion or VFW have access to that same record. So that's something that's hard for some kind of people to understand. They're like, well, it's just one VA system. Well, it is, but if I don't represent you, they won't let me look at it. So, so that's something that veterans definitely have to be aware of. I feel like it can be done in the future, just different roles assigned to different profiles in the system, so it might be done, we'll see how it goes. And then with electronic signatures, it's getting easier, but I do agree that you, have, you need to have only one power of attorney at one time. So it's, okay, but it makes sense. And one thing for veterans to know is through e-benefits, mm -hmm. you can actually go through e-benefits and request a specific power of attorney. Mm -hmm. So if somebody goes on e-benefits and says, I want the DAB to be my representative, mm -hmm. and they select the DAB at 11,000 Wilshire Boulevard, mm -hmm. then that same day or the next day, I'm getting something in the system saying, this veteran's requesting that DAB to be his power of attorney. And then once I click accept, I then automatically Access. I don't have to worry about paper, okay? So, because you know, when you submit paper, of course, you have to let it go through the system to get that paper. You know, that can take weeks. Where if somebody goes right on to eBenefits, asks us to be their power of attorney, we click that button, we automatically have access. The biggest thing for people to realize on that though is there's one restriction: it is the fact that on there it asks you, you know, let's just say somebody has issues with alcohol or HIV or and so they want to restrict access to those records. Unfortunately through the VA system with it all being electronic, it's either you see everything or nothing. So if you don't click that, if you check the box and you don't want to let us look at everything, then the VA won't put that power of attorney into the system and we won't be able to see everything. So just something for veterans to realize that best to just give us access to everything. Everything's going to be private either way, so we're not going to release any of your information to anyone, so don't check that box. Allow us access to everything and then we can go forward. Yeah, so you see even if it's a great system and it 
it's improving even better and better. It's a great tool. Uh, so use it, register on it, but before you file, go see VSO, DAV, or any other VSO organization. Uh, like probably, I'm going to be biased after today and tell everybody go see DAV. <laughs> uh, all right, Tom, to prep up, uh, would you like uh, to would you suggest that we reduce a book, great movie, or stuff to do? Oh, when you're looking at movies, you know, you know Saving Private Ryan is always a good, you know, war movie. You know, Tom Hanks did a great job in that movie, and you know the way it was directed, the way it showed, you know, what veterans you know, go through, and you know, to imagine, you know, our World War II veterans and what they went through, and you know, to realize that you know, Memorial Day is right here, and so you know, remembering, you know, the sacrifices that all of our veterans have. Had and they're also their families. You know, their families are dealing with that loss, and you know, so this is the time that we should be remembering that. Especially Memorial Day is coming. Correct. Monday, like three days. Uh, and uh, as always, quote or words of wisdom of the day. Well, there's a quote from you know Colin Powell. The day soldiers stop bringing you their problems is the day they stop leading them. They have either lost confidence that you can help them or conclude that you don't care. Either case is a failure of leadership. Well, from my perspective, I think uh, Tom, you're a great leader and uh, knowledgeable. I would be uh, definitely comfortable 100% coming into your office and uh, asking you uh, for help to file my claim or I guess any other questions. Thank you. Well, I greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.